Ba'd, uh, we are in our final session of the Burda of Imam Busayri. We've gone through uh, 151 verses of this poem uh, through various different chapters and various different settings. Uh, our previous session was all about the redemption of Imam Busayri through the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In it, he speaks about his love uh, and his sacrifice for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his sincerity uh, for the deen uh, and for hoping in the pleasure of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala and His mercy. Uh, and one of the ways in which he has done this is to author this poem. And he mentions that he doesn't want anything of the uh, affairs of the dunya. He doesn't want any money, doesn't want any fame, doesn't want any recognition for authoring this poem in uh, eulogy and praise of the Prophet ﷺ. Rather, what he wants is just for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to recognize that he is uh, someone who truly loves the Messenger ﷺ. And through that, inshallah, uh, he will gain uh, the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what we all hope to achieve when we say that we love the Prophet and when we follow in his sunnah, this is what we are all hoping to achieve as well, uh, inshallah. Now he goes on to the munajat, seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. And the munajat is um, what the uh, maddahin, uh, what the people who writ eulogies and praise uh, and odes of the Prophet and what they'd always do at the very end of their poem. They'd always bring a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in various different forms. Uh, but all of them hoping for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here we have uh, uh, an amazing action where he has authored this poem uh, in praise of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa stating his, uh, his life and the events that took place in his life and his maqam uh, and Busaydi's reverence for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam finishing off with a dua uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, for his forgiveness. So he says, uh, and he does this in not just sort of like a Allahumma ghfirli Right, and then I mean, it's a poem, so he's got to do it in a different way. He's got to do it in a way that uh, is befitting to the the uh, the current uh, scenario and setting that he's in. So he begins in verse number one hundred and fifty-two by saying, "Ya akram al Ya akram al most noble of all creation, Yani Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa What refuge do I have but you at the coming of the global emergency, the greatest calamity? Here he's talking about the Yawm uh, al-Qiyamah, Shafa'at al-Kubra, the day in which every single uh, man and woman will stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be held to account for every single thing that he had done in this dunya. And they'll look on their book of deeds and they'll see that uh, for the vast majority of us, our sins out far outweigh our good deeds. But from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that he wipes away sins with good deeds, right? Uh, the Prophet he said that whoever follows a bad deed with a good deed, that good deed wipes away that bad deed uh, and so on and so forth. But at the same time, there isn't a single human being on this earth, a single Muslim that doesn't look upon his life that has passed except with an element of regret, except with an element of despair, except with an element of would that I have gone back in time, I would have perhaps chosen different uh, different things and made different decisions. There is not a human being that doesn't, doesn't feel that way. And one of the signs of a person that has uh, pure contentment with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed is the person who looks back on his life and says, I would, I would make exactly the same decisions again. Whether if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had reverted me back to my former self, every single scenario that came up in my life and the decisions that I made, I would still make the same decisions again because this is the path that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had taken me on. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had decreed for me. 
in order to get to that space, in order to get to that mind frame, uh, is quite a, a quite an arduous task. But here, Imam Busaidi uh, is saying that who does he have other than the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam at that time, at that time, and Yom al Qiyamah, and what he is describing is a day in which obviously it's going to be a calamitous day for everybody. Uh, things are going to be uh, sort of uh, terrible in terms of their scenes and scenarios. The sun is going to be brought forth. Uh, people are going to be naked. The uh, heat is going to be uh, unbearable. Uh, people are going to be running around left, right, and center, not knowing where to go and not knowing who to go to. Uh, uh, there'll be bands of um, the disbelievers banding together, and there'll be bands of believers banding together. Those who are not a part of the believing crew would hope and wish that they are part of that crew, and those who aren't, uh, those who are amongst them are in a, uh, a space of serenity uh, and, uh, and calmness. There are those who are going to be shaded by the Aisha al-Rahman on that day. Uh, no one knows who those people are going to be, even those people who it is written for them. They don't know it's going to be them until it happens. Uh, so a very, very tumultuous day, a day of uncertainty, a day of great fear. يَوْمَ يَفْرُّ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِي uh, and so on and so forth. The day in which every single one of us would flee from the other. Right? Not because we're scared of each other, it's because I don't want to, you to come and try and get something from me and I don't want to give you anything of my good deeds and everybody's out for themselves, nafsi, nafsi. So that's the day that Busaidi is talking about. So he's, it, was, it was almost as if he is speaking to the Prophet ﷺ directly and saying, Ya Akram al-Khalqi mali man bihi. Recognizing his despair in his situation and thinking, Ya Rasulullah, who do I have other than you to save me from this, from this particular? From this particular day and what he's referring to here is the shafa'at al-kubra the uh, intercession of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam because we know on that day what's going to happen is the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is going to make sujood and he's going to make a long long sujood and it's a sujood that no one no one from the creation has ever made before and he is going to praise allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that sujood for as long as he is there and then it is going to be uh, granted for him to rise from that sajda. And it is going to be said to him to ask whatever he wishes to ask, to intercede, to intercede for whoever he wishes to intercede for. And uh, whatever he wishes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give him. Sal tu'ata wa to shafa'. Ask and you'll be given. And seek intercession and I will intercede on your behalf or for you. So this is the maqam that Imam Busaidi is describing here. He is picturing himself as in the category and in the group of those who are destined for Jahannam. And he knows that nothing is going to get him out of Jahannam except the intercession of the Prophet Now does this mean that this is somehow disconnected from the mercy of Allah? It is only the Prophet that can save him and not Allah? No. Because the only thing that is giving the Prophet permission to make intercession is Allah himself. Right? Who is there that can intercede with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except with his permission? So we know and understand from the Sharia that the Prophet can't make this intercession except with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now the detractors of Busaidi, they uh, picked this verse and they have said that Imam Busaidi has done a grave, uh, a grave sin. Rather, he has committed shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by saying this. Why? Because he is giving the Prophet ﷺ power that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, which is um, salvation, yawm al-qiyam. Right? 
But we know from just what we just explained here, here that Imam Busayri isn't talking about the Prophet having that power on his own. Right? Because we know from the ayat that that is not the case. But rather what he is talking about is the maqam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him. The status that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him. Right? That is what he is talking about. And that, for anybody that receives that status, that maqam is worthy of, of praise, of worthy of eulogizing, of, is worthy of respect and honor. Right? This is what we are commanded to do. Right? It is worthy of praise. Then that's why we say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because of that maqam that he has and because of that maqam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him. Uh, this maqam uh, is uh, also called, or well, there's another maqam that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he will hold, which is called al wasila. Uh, and uh, this wasila is the wasila that we make dua for every time we hear the adhan, right? We say, Allahumma rabba hadi da'wati al-tamma wa salat al-qaima ati Muhammad al-wasila wal-fadila, right? The wasila is a maqam, and that maqam is this maqam where he can stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make shafa'a for. There is a hadith uh, which is uh, authentic um, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he says إِذَا سَمِعْتُمُ الْمُؤَذِّنُ فَقُولُوا مِثْلَ مَا يَقُولُ That if you hear the, the Mu'adhin um, uh, call the Adhan then say exactly how he says it ثُمَّ صَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ And then send salat and salam upon me uh, فَإِنَّهُ مَنْ صَلَّى عَلَيَّ مَرَّةً صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ عَشْرًا And whoever sends salat upon me Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send salat upon him ten times over right? We know this is quite popular uh, and a very famous hadith ثُمَّ سَلُوا اللَّهَ لِي الْوَسِيلَةِ Then ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for me الْوَسِيلَةِ This thing called الْوَسِيلَةِ فَإِنَّهَا What is it? فَإِنَّهَا دَرَجَةٌ فِي الْجَنَّةِ It is a place in Jannah لا Ah, so this is what I was going to say. لا تنبغي إلا لعبد من عباد الله. So wasila is a place in Jannah. It is not befitting for any of the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to receive this uh, except who he chooses. And there's only going to be one person that he's going to choose. So he says, وَأَرْجُوا أَنْ أَكُونَ أَنَا هُوَ ذَلِكَ الْعَبْدِ And I hope that I am that servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that receives this. فَمَنْ سَأَلَ اللَّهَ لِيَ الْوَسِيلَةِ حَلَّتْ عَلَيْهِ شَفَاعَةِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And this is the point that whoever asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on my behalf for this wasila, that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant the Prophet al-wasila, this person is the one who is going to get my shafa'a yawm al-qiyamah. Another one is uh, on the authority of Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was asked, أَيُّ النَّاسِ أَسْعَدُ بِشَفَاعَتِكَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Who is the person that is going to be most happiest with, the, with uh, your intercession? Yani, who's going to get your intercession on the Day of Judgment? The Prophet responded, مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ خَالِصًا مِنْ قَلْبِهِ The one who says, لا إله إلا الله, from this sincerity in the bottom of his heart. One who truly believes in that, uh, in that notion. That لا إله إلا الله, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the focal point of his entire life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the priority of his entire life. Every decision that he makes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there in it. Uh, every choice that he makes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the focal point and the, and the reason why he's making those decisions and those choices. So for that person, uh, the, he has uh, uh, shafa'a, and, and there are other sort of ahadith that talk about uh, shafa'a and wasila and so on and so forth. But these are the maqams of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So when Busayri is saying, "Ya akram al-khalqi mali man aludu bihi siwaka inda hulul hadith al-amami," he is talking to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in that he is the one who Allah subhanahu wa taala has chosen for this maqam, and he is the one that is going to be giving that shafa'a, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And this is obviously uh, 
Not that just because you asked it is now wajib upon you to get it. Right? So just because Imam Busayri is saying, Ya Akram al Khalqi Mali man uluzubhi siwaka in the halul hadith al Amami, that Ya Rasulullah, I hope to attain your shafa'a yawm al Qiyamah. Or grant me your shafa'a yawm al Qiyamah. Right? Someone says that. Right? Doesn't mean he's going to get it. Even if he asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya Allah, grant me the shafa'a of the Prophet sallallahu doesn't necessitate that he's going to get it. Rather, rather what that shows is that he hopes and he has aspirations to get it. Not that it is wajib upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to get it. Uh, or to, to give it, sorry. Yeah. That's, that's a distinction that we have to make. Um, so that is the uh, Imam Busayri showing that his uh, affinity, affection, love and want to be in the company of the Prophet sallallahu on the Day of Judgment. Right? And we know that the Prophet said, Anta ma'amal man ahbabta yawm al-qiyamah. Right? Uh, to, the, to the companion that came to the Prophet sallallahu and he asked him, Mada adatta yawm al-qiyamah? Uh, uh, um, uh, adatta li yawm al-qiyamah? Like, what have you prepared for your afterlife? And he responded that, Ma adatta kathir al-salati wa al-sawmi? That I haven't prepared a lot of prayer or fasting, lakin uhibbu Allah wa rasoolah. But, what I do know is that I love Allah and His Messenger. So the Prophet turned to him and he said to him, You are with those that you love on the Day of Judgment. So this is Imam Busayri showing his love, his affinity, his affection to the Prophet hoping that he's going to be in that party that is going to get the shafa'ah uh, on that day. Then he goes on to say, وَلَنْ يَضِيقَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ جَاهُ إِذَا الْكَرِيمُ أَوْ تَجَلَّ O Messenger of Allah, your rank won't shrink from me when the generous manifests his punishing quality. So the, he's calling the Messenger وسلم, again, as if he's speaking to him. And he's saying, your rank, your status with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, this maqam that you receive, whether it is the wasila, the highest point in Jannah, or whether it is the maqam of the shafa'a, uh, al-kubra, it won't uh, not encompass me. And it won't shrink, he says from me, uh, your rank won't shrink from me, meaning that it won't not encompass me, it will be able to encompass me. So if you think about the Prophet ﷺ in the middle of a circle, that circle goes round and it encompasses all of those people who are uh, going to receive the shafa'ah of the Prophet ﷺ. Imam Busayri is saying that that circle is going to be wide enough to be able to encompass me as well, despite my deficiencies, despite my distance from you, despite my, uh, my ghafla, my heedlessness in this dunya, despite the fact that I don't follow all of your commands, even though I claim to, and even though I want to, and so on and so forth. Despite that, I know that your shafa'ah is going to be wide enough and big enough to encompass me because of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَنْ يَضِيقَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ جَاهُكَ بِي إِذَا الْكَرِيمُ تَجَلَّى بِسْمِ مُنْتَقِمِي And it's going to encompass me at a point when the generous one, the one who is generous, and who is the generous one? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is Al-Kareem. Right? He is generous. He is the one who grants everybody everything, even the kafir who disbelieves in him and goes against uh, his instruction. Even he is getting uh, the ni'am of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is surviving on the sustenance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So there is generosity in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is like, like no other. So the generous one, the one that you feel is, if he's going to give the kafir in this dunya all of the bounties, then Yawm Al-Qiyamah, of course, like some mercy is going to reach me. But even then, you realize that uh, he is Azizun uh, Dhuntiqam. That he is noble and he is the one who enacts uh, vengeance. He is the one who uh, recompenses everybody with that which they deserve. To the T. Right? And there is no one on this earth that doesn't deserve some form of punishment, right? 
<laughs> some more than others, but there's nobody on this on this earth that doesn't, right? Because we all have our uh, our days where we're you know not exactly doing the right thing. So when this when the generous when Allah subhanahu wa taala on that day he is going to show an anger that there is like no other that no one has ever seen before, as the Prophet has described, right? On that day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's anger will be like uh, no other. But we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that day, His mercy will also be like no other. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He created mercy, He split up into a hundred parts. Right? One part of that hundred He sent down to the earth, and that's how we have mercy upon each other here. And the rest of the 99 parts He saved for the hereafter when we meet Him uh, as Zawajah. So we know that just like his anger is going to be like no other, his mercy is also going to be like no other. So here we are with Imam Busaidi in a state of hope and fear. We hope in the shafa'ah of the Prophet and through the shafa'ah receiving the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we also fear the intiqam uh, and the uh, recompense of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. That he knows what we've done, we, he knows the intentions of which we have done them, and we know his, his punishment, Azza wa Jal. And we know the realities of Jahannam and how we can go there. So here we are in, a, in that state, in that balance. It's also important to note here that the shafa'a of the Prophet is darajat. There's the shafa'a al-kubra, the levels to the shafa'a, right, is intercession. There's the shafa'a al-kubra, there's the major shafa'a, right, that will be done uh, in Yawm al-Qiyamah. There's also the shafa'a for the people who are going to enter into Jahannam. But with the shafa'ah of the Prophet ﷺ, they are saved. There is the shafa'ah for those who enter into Jannah with no hisab. There is the shafa'ah for those who enter into Jahannam, and uh, with the shafa'ah of the Prophet ﷺ, they, uh, they exit. And Allah puts them into Jannah. There is the shafa'ah of the Prophet ﷺ for those who are in Jahannam, but they get a lighter punishment in the, in the, in the upper levels of Jahannam as opposed to the lower levels. Right? Just like uh, Abu Talib, the hadith of Abu Talib, uh, where his, his punishment is going to be lighter as a result of the intercession of the Prophet. Yeah. There, are, there is intercession for the people of Jannah, who are in a low level of Jannah, and through the intercession of the Prophet, they get a higher place in Jannah. They get more reward, they get more closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, all of these shafa'at are there for the Prophet to give. So, when Imam Busayri says, Your rank. And your status is not going to shrink from me, but I'm going to be included somewhere in that shafa'ah. I'm going to be included. Whether Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mercy on me and I enter into Jannah, I will be uh, part, of the, uh, part, part of your shafa'ah. Whether Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't have that mercy on me and I end up going into Jahannam, inshallah, I still hope for your shafa'ah that I will be taken out. And if I am destined for that, inshallah, I will be part of the shafa'ah that saves me from Jahannam, even though I'm destined for it. Right? This is uh, what Imam Busayri. Uh, is alluding to and in that we can tell that there is no uh, there's no problem with what he's saying there's no issue with what he's saying at all then he goes on to say in verse number 154 yes from your grace is indeed the world as well as its mate yani the world this world and the and the hereafter and from your knowledge is the tablet and the pen of decree here he's saying that uh, I know your status is not going to uh, shrink from me. I know that I'm going to be included in your shafa'a. Why? Because from your generosity and from your grace is uh, what is in this world and the next. What does he mean by this? This seems like quite a problematic statement, statement right? That 
from the Prophet's generosity is this world and the next. Isn't that Allah's? وَمِنْ عُلُومِكَ عِلْمَ اللَّوْحِ وَالْقَلَمِ And from your knowledge is the knowledge of the pen and the tablet. Isn't that also Allah's knowledge? Right? Very problematic statement from the outward of it, right? And the detractors of Imam Abu Sayyidi, at the very end, they've come quite strong, right? <laughs> so they, they latched onto this verse as well. And they say, how can Imam Abu Sayyidi say this? He is talking about the ghayb, and he's talking about something that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. He's talking about the dunya and the akhirah, and these are in the, in, the, in the power and the ownership of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give these things, and not the Prophet sallallahu So why is he attributing these things to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi Here he's saying that from your grace is the dunya and the akhirah. We know that our success in this life is nothing but through the following of the teachings of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa You follow his way, inshaAllah, you will enter into Jannah. You will you, you uh, disobey and turn away from his way. Uh, where is Jannah for you? Right? We know that the Prophet he says that um, uh, uh, that everyone from my Ummah will enter into Jannah except the one who refuses. And the Sahaba they said, who on earth is going to refuse Ya Rasulullah? And he responded. That whoever obeys me, whoever follows me, whoever follows in my footsteps and follows in my way will enter into Jannah. And whoever disobeys me and turns away from me, they will, uh, they will uh, what's it called? Uh, enter, enter, enter Jannah. Right? Clear cut. And this is exactly what Imam Busiri is saying. These are the hadith that he is using in order to uh, put this verse together. He's saying that following the Messenger وسلم, in this dunya will grant you the success of this dunya. Because you will live a content life, you will live a life that is balanced, you will not be confused by the different waves of morality that comes. Uh, is it okay to be homosexual? Right? Is it okay uh, to, have, uh, um, to have servants and slaves? Is it okay to, to, to XYZ, right? Whatever's going on in this life, right? At, at this point in time in, the, in our generation. You get lost. And when you get lost in these sorts of things, you retrospectively look back in life and think, you know what, subhanAllah, maybe Islam is not the truth as a result of all of these things. And then, and then the alternative is more confusion because there is no like, established morality and there is no established right and wrong. There is no line that is drawn between the haqq and the batil. That anything that is on this side of the line is the haqq and anything on that side of the line is batil. Rather, the line is sometimes moved this way a little bit whenever it's convenient and sometimes it's moved a little bit this way whenever it's convenient and there is a juxtapositioning so that the line is no longer mustaqim, it's no longer straight, rather it is curvy. So parts of the batil come into the haqq and parts of the haqq go into the batil and it's all a big mess. And what do you do? How do you deal with people? How do you deal with certain situations and scenarios? There's no uh, principle. There's no maxim that you can use in order to establish in your life that anything that is on this side, okay, I know how to deal with it. Anything is on that side, I know how to deal with it. Right? You can't do that anymore. So you remain confused. And there is no alternative. It's not like, okay, fine. You know, I, I, I relinquish Islam and the Sirat al-Mustaqeem and I am replaced and it's replaced with something that is even better. No, it's just replaced with even more confusion, depression, anxiety, tablets and suicide. Right? That's the uh, ultimate what, you know, what happens. That and you're left you know, on your own in society, isolated, different. Right? Uh, you don't fit in anywhere with anybody. Right? And you always feel like victimized. You're easily um, uh, taken advantage of. You're now a commodity that has to buy things in order to feel uh, like they're worth something. You know what I mean? This is the kind of direction that we're heading in, uh, in society now, right? 
And that's all, all as a result of us, all as a result of us turning away from the Sunnah of the Messenger, right? Turning away from the Furqan, the criterion in which we are able to judge what is right and wrong. That's not to say that we are intolerant, and that's not to say that we are brash and we're harsh with everything that goes against the teachings of the Prophet. <coughs> no, because even the Prophet himself, with the Kufar, with those who waged war against him, he was merciful towards. Akhun Kareem, Wabunu Akhid Kareem. Right? The day of Mecca, he had at his mercy the necks of all of those who opposed him, who had killed his companions, killed his family members, dismembered their bodies. Go, you guys are free. That is the mercy of the Prophet. So we know that just because they oppose us doesn't necessarily mean that we are harsh and brash against them. No, it just means that that is on the side of Batil. And we don't agree with that. We don't encourage that. Rather, we call to the side that is the haqq. That is what we do. And we do it in the best of ways. Right? The best of ways, with wisdom and with uh, with common sense. So here he is saying, dunya. So we understand how the generosity and the grace of the Prophet is in this dunya. Following his way is success, contentment, serenity. Unity, love and affection for one another despite our differences. Right? and its mate. Yudarra <coughs> uh, in the Arabic language is um, uh, usually and quite commonly used for uh, your second, third and fourth wife. <laughs> That's Yudarra, right? <laughs> Why? Because it is uh, similar uh, in nature um, and uh, uh, something that you hope for uh, as well. Uh, in that they are both creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Uh, but sometimes there can be opposites. So sometimes yeah, with one uh, wife, mashallah, it's very like, you know, uh, fun. Uh, and other times it's very, you know, <laughs> not so fun. Uh, and you get on each other's nerves. So you have that fight and that you sort of like, you know, um, couples domestics. And then um, you go to the other one, mashallah. And whilst this one's, you know, uh, <laughs> breathing down your neck with all sorts of problems. You go to the other one and it's all you know fun and joy and that's the darra right so you get uh, one side you get one one aspect and another side you get another aspect none of us here have second wives so i'm just you know <laughs> straight over our heads <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from the sunnah of the messenger sallallahu <laughs> and i hope any sisters watching or listening you know don't get upset about that uh, as it's usually the case uh, that when you mention the second wife it's like huh <laughs> you don't love me? <laughs> no, inshallah, like, you know, the, our love is, you know, uh, uh, very extensive uh, <laughs> and can extend to others also, inshallah. Allah <laughs> Mustaq. Very, very, very difficult topic, but not so difficult uh, at the same time, depending on your audience, right? So, for in the Minjudi dunya wudarrata. So, darra, whilst it means like second, third, fourth wife, what it means is the akhirah. The dunya, the darra of the dunya is the akhirah, yani the opposite. Uh, and its um, uh, its partner um, is the akhirah. So, what is the grace of the Prophet in the akhirah? Exactly what we have just explained with regards to the shafa'ah of the Prophet the wasila, the maqam, the fact that uh, we are saved through the shafa'ah of the Prophet We are going to go to every one of the anbiya uh, wasalam, and we're going to ask them, Ya Adam, anta awwal man khalaq Allah. Like you were the first that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created. Khalaqaka Allah bi yadi. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created you uh, in his own like fashion, right? Uh, so uh, intercede for us on this day that we may be saved. And he says, no, 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 don't, don't, don't come to me and 
uh, go to Nuh alayhi salam, he's the first messenger. So we go to Nuh alayhi salam, we ask him, Ya Nuh, you were the one who was saved from the, uh, from the deluge and you were the first of the messengers sent by Allah. So intercede on our behalf. And he's like, no, 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 I can't do it, I can't do it. Go to uh, somebody else. And we'll go to Ibrahim, we'll go to Musa, we'll go to Isa. And then we'll finally get to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. What makes me question, right? This, this particular hadith, right? No question, but like, you know, wonder about this is that is it such that, that on that day it's going to be so crazy that we're not even going to think to go to the Prophet ﷺ first? Right. We're going to be running around like headless chickens looking for someone to intercede on our behalf that we're going to go to everybody else but the Prophet ﷺ, right? That's how crazy it's going to be that day. So we finally get to the Prophet ﷺ and it is he, Ana Laha. I am the one who's going to do this. Yes, this is chosen for me. But despite that, all of the hadith that talk about this, talk about it in a way that the Prophet hopes to be that one that does it. Whenever he talks about the, the maqam of shafa'a, the maqam of wasila, he's always hoping that inshallah I will be able to do that. Inshallah I will be the one that does that. Right? I will be the one that, that, uh, that is granted al wasila. That is from the tamam al-tawadu, like the humility of the Prophet That even though we know and he knows that that is destined for him وسلم, He still says, inshallah that's going to be me Teaching us that our final abode and our reckoning isn't certain You may be Muslim today, you may have iman today But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only knows what is going to happen to you tomorrow The kafir across the road, he may have disbelief in his heart now he may not believe in Allah or His Messenger right now, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But tomorrow, you have no idea what's going to happen. His end, you have no idea what's going to happen. And this is what keeps us as Muslims humble. We have to recognize this, man, that we don't know our end, and we can't be proud that ah, I've got Islam, so I'm somehow better than everybody else. That's not the case. You have Islam, and that is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa taala, and you should give thanks and shukr for that blessing. But that doesn't mean that you are better than somebody else because your life hasn't ended yet. Your reckoning hasn't come yet. Your hisab hasn't come yet. You don't know the outcome. Right? You don't know how sincere you've been either. Right? It may be that you profess something that is not actually in your heart. And then you get to Yawm Al-Qiyamah فَجَعَلْنَاهُ هَبَاءً مَنْثُورًا All of your actions are just dust in the wind. Right? Allah understand. Allah protect us. So, فَإِنَّ مِنْ جُودِكَ الدُّنْيَا وَدَرَّتَهَا Let's get back to the, the, the verse. So we can recognize now the grace of the Prophet in this dunya and we recognize the grace of the Prophet in the akhirah. That's clear, right? So there's nothing wrong with the shatr al-awwal, with the first half of this bait. Let's go to the second half of the bait, uh, the second half of the verse. وَمِنْ عُلُومِكَ عِلْمَ اللَّوْحِ وَالْقَلَمِ This is uh, what the, uh, the tra- detractors of Imam Busayri uh, have uh, sort of clung on to. That he says, rahimahullah, that from the knowledge of the Prophet وسلم, is the knowledge of the tablet and the pen. Meaning, al-lawh al-mahfuz. Right? Now from the outward, problematic statement. How can the Prophet know the Lawh al-Mahfuz? Right? And they associate kufr with this statement. Right? Because there are many ahadith that talk about the ghayb of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and many ayat of the Quran that talk about the ghayb of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, that uh, the Prophet doesn't know the ghayb. Right? Uh, that if I knew the unseen, if I knew the ghayb, then I would have uh, you know, uh, got myself into a very, very good, good position and all of the uh, affairs of the dunya and all of the riches of the dunya would have been mine and I would have made all the correct decisions and I wouldn't have, made any, uh, have gone down any sort of wrong path. I wouldn't have lost any battle and none of my companions would have died and so on and so forth and these sorts of things, right? Uh, that's the knowledge of the ghayb. So if, that's, if, if the Prophet doesn't know the knowledge of the ghayb, 
and is stated in the ayah, then how can he say So in order to understand this statement, we have to understand what is uh, the lawh al-mahfud. What is it first? Now the lawh al-mahfud is only mentioned once in the Quran. Only mentioned once, one time in the Quran. Uh, anybody has a guess as to where it's mentioned? So Yasin? No. Yeah. yeah, it's not, but it's not that though. That's a good, that's a good, like, uh, what's it called? You think it's that place, right? But it's not. Anybody has a guess? Uh, it's in, it's in Juzah I'll give you that. <laughs> in Surah Buruj, at the very end. Aye, right there, man. You know that. <laughs> that's the only place Lohan Mahfud is ever mentioned in the Quran, right? Amazing, right? And it's, it's, it's referred to, it's alluded to in other places, but it's not mentioned. Right? That's what I'm talking about here. So it might be alluded to in other, uh, in other places, but it's not actually mentioned uh, properly. Uh, so there's some conjecture as to those places, whether it's referring to the Lohan Mahfud or it's referring to something else. Right? Anyway, uh, the Lohan Mahfud is only mentioned once uh, uh, in the Quran. The ahadith surrounding Lohan Mahfud, the vast majority, I would probably say like 90% of them are all weak, uh, if not fabricated. Right, there are there are very few ahadith that are authentic, authentically attributed to the Prophet uh, that are uh, that speak about the the al Mahfud. From them, uh, one of the uh, ahadith um, of the uh, of one of the companions, Abdullah bin Abbas, anhu, where he described the Loh al Mahfud as being fajara bima huwa ka'inun ila yom al qiyamah. That what is written in the Loh al Mahfud is everything that is going to happen on this earth until yom al qiyamah. Until the hour is established, right? So, uh, if this is anything to go by, we know that the Loh al Mahfud is limited in what is written in it. What is written in it is what happens from the beginning of creation until Yom al Qiyamah. What happens after Yom al Qiyamah? What happened before creation was created? All of this Loh al Mahfud has absolutely no part in whatsoever, right? So that is what is housed in the Loh al Mahfud. We know that the Loh al Mahfud is carried by Malaika. Right. There are certain uh, malaika that are uh, carrying the law al-mahfud. In other ahadith, uh, one that is narrated in Ad-Dur al-Manthur by Imam al-Suyuti, uh, rahmatullahi alayhi, uh, on the authority of Imran ibn al-Husayn, uh, 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 the, the companion, uh, where he talks about how the law al-mahfud is connected to the arsh, or it's hanging off the arsh, right? Um, uh, some sort of like, a, uh, in, in, some, in some way, shape or form like that. Uh, so we know that uh, in the Hamlet al-Arsh, the angels that are carrying the Arsh also uh, have access to the Loh al-Mahfud. We know that there are certain angels that have read the Loh al-Mahfud and brought whatever is in the Loh al-Mahfud to the messengers that came before. We know that the Qur'an is housed also in the Loh al-Mahfud and we know that that portion of the Qur'an came down to the first heaven and from that uh, first heaven it was revealed to the Prophet by Jibreel and so on and so forth. Right? So whoever carried it down from the angels also had access to that. So. The knowledge of what is in the Loh al-Mahfud isn't reserved only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Which is a notion that is assumed by the detractors of Imam Busayri. So one of them, although he threw the statement of kufr at Imam Busayri, he himself actually uh, made a statement of kufr. He said it with regards to this verse that that the knowledge in the Lohan uh, uh, and uh, the uh, Lohan Mahfud is known to the Prophet. Sallallahu 
And if that means, if the Prophet ﷺ knows what is in the Lawh al mahfuz then what is left for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? <laughs> he actually said this, right? I'm not going to say his name, but he said this, right? And when I heard this, I was like, dude, this is kufr. <laughs> How can you say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge is limited just to the Lawh al mahfuz That's a crazy statement to make. That is a crazy statement to make. So, like, let's not like run run away with ourselves when we look at the statements of Imam Busayri and say that he is uh, making statements of shirk and kufr when in reality the distractors are probably in a worse state than uh, than Imam Busayri. So we've we've established that the Lawh al-Mahfud is limited in its capacity in what it is written in it. We know that the Prophet. So let's have a look at the Prophet and his knowledge. Uh, but before we do, let's take a look at the uh, the word al-Ghayb. Because a lot of what is attributed to the Lawh al-Mahfuz is always attributed to that which is from the Ghaybiyat, from the Ghayb, right? And we know that the Prophet has he himself has said that he doesn't know the Ghayb. Uh, there are ayat in the Qur'an that talk about how the Prophet doesn't know the Ghayb. But there are also ayat uh, in the Qur'an that talk about certain messengers uh, knowing the Ghayb as well, right? So how do we uh, sort of uh, compare between the two? Or how do we bring these two co- uh, sort of understandings or uh, concepts together? Where on the one hand, the Prophet is saying, or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying on the uh, tongue of the Prophet that he doesn't know the ghayb. And in other ayat, he's talking about um, That uh, except uh, that, no, that he is the knower of the unseen uh, and no one is able to uh, come to terms or come to know the unseen except from the messengers that he is pleased with, that he wishes for them to receive the unseen. Right? So here we have no one knows the unseen and here we have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowing certain messengers to know the unseen. How do we bring those two things together? So we know that the unseen is something that is vast and the ghayb is something that is like, you know, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the extent of it nobody knows because nobody knows what it actually is, right? Uh, one way that we can conceptualize it and it is a very sort of mediocre way is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He knows what is, He knows what was and He knows what's going to be. He also knows what wasn't and He knows what if it was going to be, how it would be and how it wouldn't be if it was to be, right? And that say the famous, that famous like statement that the Azahid always say as well, right? So uh, uh, that's like a conceptualization of, uh, of the ghayb. Obviously, that's a very, very mediocre, very, very simple like, conceptualization of it. But it kind of gives you like, the vastness of what the ghayb is. So if the Prophet ﷺ is to, or even any other messenger, is to know part of that ghayb, then it is that part that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he himself, shows him. Um, there are, there are, there's conjecture about what there are certain elements of the ghayb that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can know and no one else can know, not even his messengers can know. And from that is the, the five things that, uh, that are mentioned in the ayah. Um, and the other things that he mentions in the ayah, uh, which is uh, you don't know when you're going to die, you don't know where you're going to, the, the place that you're going to die in, uh, you don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow in terms of your, your risk and what you're going to uh, acquire and so on and so forth. So these are sort of like the small details uh, that, uh, uh, that other people may know, but again, that's just uh, uh, conjecture. So, uh, so here, let's go back to the, the verse. He's saying that from the, uh, the knowledge of the Prophet is the knowledge of the lawh. Is it possible now? So now the question arises. Is it possible for the Prophet to know what happened from the beginning of creation until, the, until Yom Al-Qiyamah? 
Right? Is it possible for him to know that? It is absolutely possible. Is there any proof that exists from the Sunnah that this is the case? Now, there are certain ahadith, but they are deemed weak, unfortunately. Right? Where the, uh, uh, the Prophet's chest was opened up uh, and the Malaika washed his heart, and uh, from that, فَعَلِمْتُ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ that from that I know I knew the realities of everything, right? And from that the ulama deduced that the Prophet did know did know everything, right? That took place. Uh, there are instances in the Prophet in the hadith uh, corpus uh, that we have uh, at our disposal where uh, the Prophet is describing uh, in instances that happened at the time of Adam instances that happened at the time of Nuh and in between. Instances that happened in between messengers as well uh, Instances that happened to certain people uh, In certain places That nobody else knows right? And that there is no history that is written And documented in order for us to, to, to know those things We know that the Prophet ﷺ, Even in his time knew that certain things Were going to happen That he had no other way of knowing Except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had taught him and shown him In the battle of Badr I think it was, or Uhud, one of the two I, I can't remember which one, but in one of the battles the Prophet ﷺ before the battle said, Fulan ibn Fulan will die here. Fulan ibn Fulan will die here. Fulan ibn Fulan will die here. The battle took place and after the battle, the companions went out and they saw the exact places where those companions had passed away and it was as the Prophet ﷺ described. And this is uh, narrated in Ash-Shifa by Qadi Iyad. Um, we know that the Prophet ﷺ, uh, certain enemies of the Prophet ﷺ would come to him in order to take his life. We know uh, Umayyad ibn Wahab when he made that pact with uh, Al-Walid ibn Mughira I think it was Walid ibn Mughira um, and uh, he went to the Prophet Sallallahu to, to kill him and when he arrived at the court of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the Prophet Sallallahu asked him what have you come, why have you come here? and he said I've come to seek forgiveness and enter into Islam so he's like why have you got this sword with you that is poisoned? <laughs> right? and he's like oh there's no poison that I just carry this with me and, and the Prophet ﷺ turns to him and he tells him the exact conversation that took place between him and Walid ibn Mughir. Right? And these things, no one, no one should know. How is, how is he supposed to know uh, hundreds of miles away? Right? At a time when you don't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> you can't FaceTime the guy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So these are all instances of ghayb. Okay. The Prophet ﷺ, uh, also mentioned that Zawali al-Ard Fara'aytu mashariqaha wa magharibaha وَرَأَيْتُ أَنَّ الْإِسْلَامَ يَدْخُلُ فِي كُلِّ بَيْتِ That, um, that uh, the, the earth was made into a ball for me زَوَالِيَ right? الْأَرْضِ And I saw the, it's in the east and the west And I saw that Islam would enter into every house These are all events of the future The uh, signs of the hour and so on and so forth All of these things, if you amalgamate them and all put them together There is a strong case that the Prophet ﷺ, He knew what, what happened at the beginning and what happened at the end did he narrate all of this stuff to us? Maybe. He narrated a, 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 quite a lot of it. Uh, do we need to know necessarily all of the instances? No. That doesn't necessarily benefit us. And if that was the case, then the Quran would be, uh, would be uh, sort of, uh, would have more of an authority and more of a responsibility to deliver that message to us. Right? So it's not the case that we need to know absolutely every single event that took place from the beginning of time to the end of time. Right? But there is a strong case that uh, the Prophet uh, had this knowledge. And if this, from the beginning of creation to Yawm Al-Qiyamah, is what is in the Lawh Al-Mahfud, then the statement of Imam Busayri is not far-fetched. Right? However, that is stretching a little bit. Right? <laughs> because there's nothing clear-cut. And in order to appease you know, people like that, 
you have to bring something that is absolutely clear cut that says the Prophet knew everything. <laughs> They're just looking for that hadith that says the Prophet knew all the events that took place uh, uh, or knew what was in the Lohul Mahfud. But we have mentioned that the angels knew what was in the Lohul Mahfud and they've seen the Lohul Mahfud and so on and so forth. Uh, and those angels that are delivering the messages to the messengers, they know what's in the Lohul Mahfud and so on and so forth. So it's not a, a far fetched thing that a messenger knows, uh, knows that. And that doesn't equate, so knowing the Lohul Mahfud doesn't equate to knowing the Ghayb. That's also important, right? We need to establish that. Knowing the law al-Mahfuz doesn't equal the Prophet knows the ghayb. Yeah? Those are two mutually uh, opposed things. And also that the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala isn't housed in the law al-Mahfuz. Rather, the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is vast, way more expansive than just what's in the law al-Mahfuz. Right? Okay, cool. So with that, and understanding that, is it right to say that Imam Busayri has committed kufr? by saying that the Prophet ﷺ knows what is in the Lohul Mahfud? No. The worst thing that you can say, and the absolute worst thing that you can say, is that Imam Busayri may have uh, exaggerated the knowledge of the Prophet ﷺ. If you are of those who is not convinced that the Prophet ﷺ knew what happened from the beginning uh, to the end, despite all the ahadith that kind of uh, sort of point towards that. If you are not convinced by that, and you don't have to be convinced by that, not a problem. Then the worst thing that you can say is that he exaggerated the ilm of the Prophet a little bit, despite having the uh, sort of uh, the nusus at his disposal to be able to do that. Right? He's perfectly within his rights to do that. But you cannot say, in any circumstance whatsoever, that this statement is a statement of kufr, and you certainly cannot say that the ilm of Allah subhanahu wa taala is limited to the lawul mahfuz, and you yourself commit kufr by saying that. <laughs> Okay? So we've, we've stuck on this on these three verses just because the detractors of Imam Busayri have like spoken a lot about this and whenever you read um, an excerpt about the, uh, the Burda online it'll usually be about these verses and about how terrible they are and about how terrible the rest of the poem must be because of these verses, right? So if we clarify this and we've clarified them uh, then inshallah anybody that does have any doubts about the rest of the poem uh, those doubts will be alleviated. Then he goes on to say, Ya nafsula taqnati min zallatin azumat inna al kabaida fil ghufrani kalamami. O soul, despair not because of a mistake that is grave. Enormities are like slips uh, compared to his clemency. Slips like trips or falls, right? They are compared to his, uh, Azza wa Jal, his clemency, his mercy. We recognize that the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is way more expa- expansive than, uh, than the mistakes and the sins that we have committed. We know that. Any mistake that we have made, any sin that we have made, we know that it is in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's capacity to forgive. There is no sin that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't forgive. Right? There is nothing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't, doesn't forgive. Even shirk itself. If someone was to come revert back from shirk into tawheed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive that. Right? Not that uh, you know you commit shirk and then you do a righteous deed afterwards, right? You give to like charity and stuff and that will expiate shirk. Not like that. You have to make tawbah from shirk. But even making tawbah from shirk and coming back to tawheed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will look over the fact that that shirk was committed. Right? So there is nothing in actual reality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't forgive. But when it comes to a shirk, just to clarify, if someone was to commit that, then nothing expiates shirk like it expiates other things. So if we commit a, a sin, even if it is major, even if we deal in riba or we commit zina or something like that, there are things that we can do after that to expiate that sin. Except shirk, shirk doesn't, uh, is, it isn't able to be expiated except by renouncing it uh, from its origins and returning to that which is uh, mutually opposed to it, which is tawheed. Right? Uh, 
yes. So, ya nafsu la taqrati min zallatin azumat. So there is nothing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't forgive. And in fact, he seeks to forgive others. We know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, in, the, in the last third of the night, he looks for those who are praying uh, to him and asking his forgiveness. Is there not someone who is seeking my forgiveness so that I can forgive him? Right? If there was a people that didn't commit a sin, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take them away and replace them with the people who committed sin so that they would ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness and Allah will forgive him. All of these hadith we know, right? And we know that the, uh, the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is, is split into a hundred parts that we mentioned previously, right? All of these things show that the uh, maghfirah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is great. And we know that entering into, into Jannah is not going to be as a result of what we do. It's not going to be a result of our deeds. Rather, it's going to be as a result of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? إِلَّا أَن يَتَغَمَّدَ نِلَّهُ بِرَحْمَتِهِ The Prophet he even said this to his companions, right? That no one will enter into Jannah except with the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Your actions will enter, into you, enter you into Jannah The companions uh, عليهم, They turned to the Prophet and said Even you Ya Rasulullah وَأَنْتَ Ya Rasulullah You as well He says وَأَنَا I am also not going to enter into the Jannah Except through the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala إِلَّا أَنْ يَتَغَمَّدِنِ اللَّهُ بِرَحْمَتِهِ Except if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala envelopes me in his mercy Right So uh, and the, uh, the, the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Hadith al-Qudsi that his, uh, his, his rahmah wasi'at kulla shay' and his, uh, his rahmah uh, tasbiqu ghadaba uh, that his mercy always precedes his anger yani his reward always precedes his punishment his forgiveness always precedes his punishment yeah? so all of these things show that the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something that is hoped for and that is longed for and wanted. So he turns to his own nafs and he speaks to it. And he says, Ya nafsu, la taqnati min zallatin azumat. Do not despair. Right? Ya ayuhal ladhina, qul ya ibadi ladhina asrafu ala anfusihim. La taqnatu min rahmatillah. So he's turning to himself and saying the same thing. Ya nafs, la taqnati min zallatin azumat. From a mistake that is grave, that is huge in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِنَّ الْكَبَائِرَ فِي الْغُفْرَانِ كَلَّمَمِي Because these major sins in the, uh, uh, in the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness are like trips and falls. They're small little uh, mistakes with regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. That's not to belittle the sin itself, right? Don't get it twisted, right? Oh. Imam Muhammad look at him saying like, you know, you do kabair, it's minor. <laughs> no, 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 no. These things are major in and of their own selves. But in comparison to Allah's mercy, uh, they don't mean anything. And that is what we hope for. We hope in Allah's path mercy. Not that we commit all these sins and like, yeah, I'm going to get Allah's mercy. No. لَعَلَّ رَحْمَةَ رَبِّي حِينَ يَقْسِمُهَا تَأْتِي عَلَى حَسَبِ الْعِسْيَانِ فِي الْقِسَمِ And he goes on to elucidate this. And hopefully... Mercy from my Lord when he gives it out will come according to sinfulness in its quantity. That no matter how much I've sinned, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness will come in the same amount. So it will, it will cancel, cancel, it, cancel it out. It won't count as anything. Ya la'alla rahmat rabbi hina yaqsimuha ta'ti ala hasab al-isyani fil qisami. And he's not saying this is a clear cut thing. He is hoping 
and longing for this. This is something that he's making dua for. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he splits up and he apportions his mercy to his creation that whatever mercy I receive, it is the same amount, if not more, than the sins that I have committed in this world. And there is not a single one of us that hopes for that. Uh, that doesn't hope for that. Then he goes on to say, Ya Rabbi, finishing off with the dua. Ya Rabbi, O oh my Lord, وَجَعَلْ رَجَاءِ غَيْرَ مُنْعَكِسٍ لَدَيْكَ وَجَعَلْ حِسَابِ غَيْرَ مُنْخَرِمِ My Lord, and make not my hope, a hope that is overturned with you, and make my expectance with no deficiency. The, the, whatever I expect from you, from the mercy, from the uh, overlooking of sins, from entering into Jannah, from receiving the shafa'ah of the Prophet all of those things that I long and expect and I hope for, Please give me those things that I expect for because لا تخلف الميعاد You are not someone who, if you promise something to somebody, you will retract that promise and take it away. Rather, you have promised shafa'ah to the one who says لا إله إلا الله. You have promised shafa'ah to the one who loves the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم. You have promised jannah to the one who says لا إله إلا الله خالصا من قلبي. Right? You have promised that you are with the ones that you love on the Day of Judgment. This is your promise. And you are the one that doesn't retract your promises. You don't take away your promises. You don't promise something and then turn back on it the next day. No. You fulfill those promises. So this is what he's saying here. And he's also saying that whatever hope I have in you, do not allow that to be overturned. The hope that I have at this point in time in this dunya, things can happen in the dunya where that hope dwindles and disappears. You no longer, you lose hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? You lose hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Shaitan comes and tells you, you've done so much in this dunya, you've missed so much salah, you've missed so many uh, Ramadans, you uh, barely uh, uh, do anything else other than your, your fard. And even your fard, you are thinking of the affairs of the dunya. You are a terrible Muslim. You are a terrible example of Islam. How is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala going to look at you with an eye of mercy? How is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even going to forgive you of all of the mistakes that you have done? And you look at yourself and you're like, you know what? I do deserve to be treated uh, terribly. I do deserve to be the lowest. I do deserve to be humiliated in front of everybody. Right? And you lose hope and you despair in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. So here he's saying, Ya Rabbi, ladayka. That my hope and my aspirations in you, they do not flip over their heads so that I go from hoping to despair. Uh, and whatever my account is going to be held for, then inshallah make that easy. Be kind to your slave in both abodes, in the dunya and the akhirah. For his fortitude, whenever terrors call out to it, will, tail, uh, will, sorry, will turn tail and flee. What he's saying here is, <coughs> That this servant of yours, yani me, Imam Busayri, me, Imam Hamid, you, Everybody in this room that makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that in the lahu sabran, he has forbearance, he has patience. But this patience, whenever it is in the face of terrors, whenever it is ridiculed, whenever it is subjugated, whenever it is in front of the enemies of Islam, that sabr <laughs> disappears, it goes away. It is no longer there, it is no longer that strong. I am proud to be Muslim, I am proud of my Iman. Uh, I'm going to do tahajjud and I'm going to work hard for my Islam. There is that despair. There is that, ah, my a'mal, they don't mean anything because I'm destined for Jahannam or I feel that I'm destined for Jahannam. So whenever terrors call out to it, whenever it is in the face of extreme difficulty, that sabr wanes and, and disappears. 
So even though your abd, your servant, is like this, even though he is a terrible servant, he doesn't have that forbearance, be kind, be gracious to him, uh, be merciful to him in both abodes. وَأْذَنْ لِصُحْبِ صَلَاةٍ مِنْكَ دَائِمَةٍ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ بِمُنْهَلٍ وَمُنْسَجِمٍ Then he closes off uh, with the last two verses, saying, Let clouds of blessing from you, unending, rain down upon the Prophet ﷺ with pouring rain heavily and steadily. Meaning it comes down and it continues to come down. So send salat and salam upon the Prophet ﷺ copiously and continuously. How continuous? For longer than, a win- than willow branches by the east wind are swayed. So as long as the wind sways the trees and camel drivers excite the camels with melody. And as long as there are uh, people traveling, people going from one place to another, either on caravans, either in, uh, on, on camels. Uh, so the Atrab uh, al so the tarab uh, is when the um, uh, the Arabs would go out traveling, right? And they'll be on camel, on the backs of camels. And there'll be someone singing to those camels so that they would ride in a melodious way and a rhythm. And they won't get tired very easily, right? And there'll be some sort of like, you know, enjoyment on the, uh, on the journey. So as long as this is going on, meaning that as long as there are people who are traveling, as long as there, there is, uh, uh, there, are, there, are, there is a journey going from A to B, then let Salat and Salam go upon the Prophet As long as there is wind in the air blowing the trees, and as long as there are people to travel from one place to another, let there be Salat and Salam upon the Prophet yani, daiman wa abadan. And that's how we close the Burda of Imam al-Busayri rahmatullahi alayhi. There is an epilogue of roughly about 10 odd verses where he uh, sort of goes on to send sort of Ridwan uh, uh, upon the Sahaba. Uh, uh, and other things uh, but these aren't actually from the poem of Busiri these were added later so we will overlook them inshallah ta'ala may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability uh, the acceptance of all of the things that we have done over these past I don't know how many weeks we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the benefit from the burda of Imam Busiri to love the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as is described through this burda we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us his shafa'a yawm al-qiyamah we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to Grant us the tawfiq to be able to follow in the footsteps of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam and to be raised with him in his noble company and the company of the companions and all those who loved him yawm al-qiyamah ameen ameen Allahumma allimna ma yanfa'una wa anfa'na bima 'allamtana wa zidna 'ilma Allahumma ati nufusana taqwaha wa zakkiha anta khayru man zakkaha anta waliyuha wa mawlaha wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam subhanaka allahumma wa bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk bismillahir rahmanir rahim wal 'asr innal insana lafi khusr illa alladhina amanu الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين بارك الله فيكم جزاكم الله خيرا